Oh, today I want to talk about our most important relationship, which is the one with your divine, your relationship with the God of your being. As the reading said, God is the strength in which I trust. And if we really lived from this idea from a very early age, like if you got the concept of God being your strength and that you could trust this, our lives would be so different in so many ways. We would literally be heaven on earth, and heaven being is a state of mind, a state of consciousness, of oneness. Whenever you're in the awareness of oneness, whenever you're free of the egoic self, you are in a phase of heaven. So we would be experiencing that so much more if we were really lifted up in that way. But because this fearful world has much of it upside down, this is what it feels like for us to trust God. Take a look. Okay, then Lauren's going to catch you. Okay, it's called the trust fall. Okay, trust fall. Ready, set, go. No way do I choose to trust God, right? God, to many, if you're still in the old paradigm or coming out of the old paradigm, is sort of this invisible, not accessible not coming through, certainly not for you, experience. It's not, um, it's not taking away the suffering or pain. It's not answering the prayers. In fact, the old God, which energetically is still here and being drained out of us, is sort of the victimizer. Um, it is a, a victimizer and then sometimes a hero, but it trades off and on according to its will. And some of the Bible stories make God a monster, I mean, it's especially Old Testament. All these wars and God's, you know, washing these people. He parts the Red Sea for the Israelites, but then he kills hundreds and hundreds of Egyptians. And he's got, you know, daughters sleeping with fathers. And all kinds of crazy stuff are happening in the Bible. I mean, no way can we begin to understand God as our very being when at a very, at a very young age, we're breathing in these stories. You see... These stories are like centuries and centuries ago, but they still live energetically. They've lived for a very, very, very long time as a threatening, scary idea in the culture. And we really are, just as a collective, beginning to to slough those off and shift and change. Um, But it takes work, and that is actually what our spiritual journey is. Our spiritual journey is allowing the layers, I call them the layers of lies, to slough off, to peel away, so that what happens is you begin awakening to this natural essence of being. And that's the part that is your strength. It is an eternal life. It is an eternal presence. And it really is, as the Bible says, closer closer than your very breath. It is the essence of who you are. But because who you are at such a young age was that, and it got separated from God in thought and in this particular culture... It's very bizarre for you to grasp the idea that, oh, this is it? It's this simple? It's this just me being me and trusting life and communing with life and talking with life and allowing life. That is what we're here to do. But we've got to get all of these stories out of the way. You know, the book that we're going to be, um, that I invite you to, to get that we'll be studying from this month is called The Mastery of Love by Don Miguel Ruiz. 
And it's a wonderful book. He's also the man who wrote the Four Agreements. So if you read that book, it's amazing. And this is his next book, The Mastery of Love. It's a small little book, and it's absolutely fantastic. And it begins by telling our story, our collective story. And he talks about how we have become, what he says, domesticated. Fear is what causes us to become domesticated. So as a very young child, you are in your essence, you're free, you're love, but you begin to care about the opinions of others. You begin to notice when people are withholding love or punishing or afraid or angry. And because you haven't yet, you don't have the ability to know yourself as separate from them, you take on the responsibility for that. So here you are, a very young age, with all kinds of different energies occurring, and you don't know to separate them from you. So you're becoming domesticated. You're breathing in all of these ideas, all of these thoughts, all of these fears. You're literally bringing them into your body, and you're beginning in the domestication process over time. You begin to define yourself as those thoughts and feelings. So not only did you breathe them in when they weren't yours, not knowing that, but you actually named them yours. You put your name on them. Now, if you put your name on fear and call it your own, that, begin, that creates a big chasm between you and the essence of love because love doesn't know fear. So you have chosen, not consciously, and, and, and um, in agreement with what's occurring in this field, but you have chosen to align yourself with the ego's game. And in so doing, you believed, we believed ourselves separate. Now, this is just the game that's been happening for, I want to say forever, for, for, for time. But it, when, when people wake up, the, the process is disidentifying with the ego game and re-identifying with the true essence of your being. Now, that, as I said earlier, that's an easy thing to do, actually, once this stuff dissolves. And moves aside. And I know you guys are in varying levels of releasing that. And I also know when certain things happen, when it gets triggered, it pops up and it feels like it's all true. So you get like, oh, feeling good, feeling good. Something happens, shoom, right back into the full swing of the ego, of the fear. But when we can align ourselves with the essence then we can turn to this and not only say, God is my strength, but you can begin building your personal muscle that depends upon that in those times. You see, the world is still swinging in its, in its fear. It's just going to do that, and chances are it's going to do that until you die. There may be a complete awakening and heaven may be revealed on this planet. That could occur. But the truth, oh, let me back up. That's not true. What, th- this is your option. This is, what, this is really your only possibility. And it's a possibility that matters. The awakening happens inside of you. And then the game of fear and love is over. Then the game is suffering is over. And the truth of the matter is the world is your projection. It's what you see. So it will literally change according to how you are being and seeing and aligning with the God you're being. So that is your work, which makes it completely irrelevant if the world out there shifts or doesn't shift because it is an inner journey. It is an inner experience of awakening to this truth. When I was little, like many of you, I assume, um, well, for me, 
it was um, singing in a Catholic church and looking at the cross with Jesus on it. And I don't know what the other religions did, but when the Catholic church put Jesus up there, they kept him bloody and messy and just really suffering, suffering, suffering. This is what's hanging up there. And this is what I'm seeing every single week when we go to Mass, and it's just imprinting on my head, and it's just going deep into the subconscious mind that I am responsible for this, that I am somehow responsible for this man who is the Savior of the world for being there. That's a really big idea for a little kid. That's a really big idea for all of us in whatever that looked like for you. Today, I can absolutely tell you, I feel like a quantum leap has occurred where I truly know God as my being. I know God as, like, I can't even find a place inside of me that thinks of God as an external male punishing entity. I can't even find that. And I love whenever we do our um, Rap with the Rev classes and and some of you people come in and you share and 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 some of you are still grappling with releasing that. I, I actually find myself going, oh, wow, I find myself so grateful that I don't know that experience anymore. Literally, I want you to hear this. It doesn't exist in my cells to think of God in this way whatsoever. Now, I've still got my work to do because when fear comes in, I still can feel like I'm disconnected and separate. But I no longer have an external punishing God. So that is our really, really big first step is to just get in touch with I know many of you are there, but take a breath and get in touch with where in my life am I still believing in an external God? Where in my life am I still agreeing with a shaming God or a God that I feel guilty or bad around? Where does that still occur? Where are the little vibrations of that or sometimes big vibrations of that? When you can find those, those are the places that we want to place our prayer. Right there are the places where I want you to say, right here, I need a new idea. I need a new idea of this thing called God. Whatever word you use. Actually, for me, the energy of love and the word God are the exact same. They are synonymous. It is exactly the same. When you are feeling the expansion of love, True love, not now that too needs to be, <laughs> the word love needs to be taken all the layers off of and all that stuff from childhood too, because that got messed up. But when you take those, either the layers off the word God, the layers off the word love, whatever, you'll land in the exact same place. You'll land in this feeling tone. You'll land in this knowing, in this essence, and it will just feel so wonderful. That's the vibration we bring into these broken off parts. Or if you want to do it in reverse, that's the vibration that pulls those parts that heretofore have thought themselves separate. Love is an extremely healing power. Love can absolutely move mountains. Love absolutely, you know, I remember reading in a book that, um, you know, we've learned how to harness atomic energy and all these great things we can do. And this book uh, uh, written by a very futuristic thinker said, one day we will learn how to harness the energy of love and it will make all other powers pale in comparison. Love absolutely, literally creates, literally explodes into dimensions of being and dimensions of reality. And that is the vibration who you are. You know, there's a... um, 
I love this. I, I read it um, often, and I haven't done it in a while. Um, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm sure many of you know this, but it just, again, a passage from the Bible that so beautifully captures the essence of love. So when you say, what is love? What, what does it do? How do I know its name? Well, it says right here, and I invite you to look up 1 Corinthians 13 and carry it around, read it daily, memorize it. These are ways that we begin shifting ourselves, coming to spiritual community, taking the classes, you know, reading, reading that, that sacred scripture and getting that sacred scripture in our body so that it's looping or a mantra or anything like that. Those are ways of deprogramming ourselves and realigning ourselves with the truth. So 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient. Well, there's a clear direction right there. Love is patient. Where are you impatient? Love is kind. That's good. Those, those, I don't even need to memorize the whole passage. Love is patient. Love is kind. That would take me a couple years. Right? Love is kind. How can I be kind in this moment? Either to myself or to another. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. There's a humility to the energy of love. It's not envious. It doesn't get proud of itself. It doesn't boast about its essence. It just is. It's soft. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. I want to pause here. It is not easily angered. As I was being with that, I said, oh, but it can get angry. That's interesting. Love is powerful. There are times when love has to put a boundary down. There's time when love has to say, not here. This is not acceptable. But it doesn't go there easily. There's enough space so that when it's time for it to rise up in its power and its strength, it does so so that it does not dishonor the other in doing. There's so many times, if I'm not in love and I'm angry and, and doing something, I guarantee you that the person I'm in disagreement with is going to be dishonored some way because I'm fighting to be right. I'm fighting to make them wrong. I'm fighting, someone, someone's bad here and we're pushing it back and forth and I'm going to make sure that they get it and they're going to make sure I get it and that's the ego game. But love doesn't play that game. It doesn't dishonor. It doesn't fight against something. It keeps no record of wrongs. (laughs) You are love, so you can't keep any records of anything wrong happening. That one line is a gift to you today, yes? Can you release the records, the record keeping that you've been doing against, against everyone? Release that. There's no point Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Remember I said love and God are synonymous. So love is our strength. God is our strength. Love never fails. This thing called God never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. That is so brilliant. Even what we know now is just pieces. All the brilliance of of the great scriptures, 
and the great speakers and, and, and all the insights and the revelations from A Course in Miracles and all the things that we, we glean on, even that shall disappear. All of the channels through which we are beginning to access this understanding of ourselves as love will disappear and become nothing. There will be an awakening that happens inside of you that is so much greater than anything of this world. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or woman, I put the ways of childhood behind me. This is what we're talking about today. Putting the old God, the domesticated, fearful part behind me. You aren't that child anymore. You aren't that, that vibration of fear. You are, well, you never were, but because you named it as yours, you experienced it for a while. That is childish ways of knowing yourself and knowing God. And we are being guided to put those behind us today. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. And the last line. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Take a deep breath. The greatest of all vibrations is love. It is from which all life comes. It is the energy upon which God itself extends and creates. And it is who you are. You are love. And you are this enduring, unbroken love. Not the scorekeeping love, not the brokenhearted love, not the seeking desperately to find your lover love. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a oneness love, a healing love, an eternal love, a love that knows no birth and knows no death. This is who you are, and that is your strength. That you can depend upon. That will never let you fall face forward. That will never not catch you. And if you do fall face forward and the body explodes, well, that's what was supposed to happen. But love is right there. Love is right there. So my invitation to you this week is to really, really pay attention to who you're being. You know, I, I sort of want, this, this would be my true homework for you. This is what I want you to say and do all week long. What would love do? What would love do? Like if you could keep that fresh before you in every situation, in every conversation, everything, what would love do right now? What would love do right now? You will start awakening to the part of you that goes, oh, well, I wouldn't talk at all. And then you'll feel the struggle. You'll feel the part that wants to. But if you can stay in relationship with what will love you, it will transform your body temple. It will transform your home. It will transform your relationship. It will transform your work life. You will, it will ripple out in the most magnificent waves. The simple question, what would love do And then the willingness to be obedient. Yes? That's our homework this week. Peace and blessings. So take a deep breath. Go back to that open-hearted space. I invite our spiritual counselors to stand if you'd like. Go back to that flower that open flower that is just releasing the essence of love that you are.
It is in this moment that I name God as love. I name love as God. I know that it is all that is occurring. The Course in Miracles says there are two things, love and fear. Fear is not real, therefore there's only love. It is a perfect equation. There is only love. Love is who and what I am. Love is who and what we are. We meet in this agreement, and in this moment, we decide to trust love like never before. We ask love over and over and over to guide us, to speak through us, to breathe us, to lead us into right situations. And when we land in the karmic results of our past fears, we call forth love to transform it so that we don't keep looping and repeating the cycle. Right now, I call forth a profound healing by this vibration of love. May it have its way with us, mind, body, and spirit. May it align us now and forevermore and draw to us the parts that we have disowned, disassociated, put under the rug, hidden in shame, guilt, or fear. The essence of our truth is drawn out of those lies. We breathe them in and we sit in the wholeness of our being. And I invite this love to heal our body temple. If there's any place within your body that appears to be other than flowing in this love, we breathe love into it and we welcome its healing power. And we welcome the eternal truth that love is all that we are, all that we ever will be. It cannot be, it is not born, it cannot die. Therefore, we are free to live now, live fully, freely, in and as this love. Sweet Holy Spirit, show us how to live as this love now, now. Take a deep breath. Breathe. day. It has the final word. It is the final word. It is the only word, the only word that is ever being spoken. Oh, I'm so grateful for this truth and for the alignment of it, for the flow and the energy that I feel in this very moment as the essence of love. Oh, sweet spirit. Thank you, sweet spirit, for helping us remember over and over and over how good and easy life can be. It is for us. It is us. Love is real. It is powerful and it is the final word. In gratitude together we say, and so it is.